I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Don't you start with Alex. Don't say anything. Don't you, don't you dare. They make motions either. Act like you're not here. Not a little peep, not a little sound. Not a little, ah, oh, once upon a time in a, in a land far, far away. Yeah, well, well, now you can talk. Go on. Let them know you're here. He's here, ladies and gentlemen. Alex is here. He's now, he's pretending not to talk. To make me fill the silence, which I've really set myself up for. Uh, little dear. giggle don't uh, worry I can keep going you, I can keep going I know you can I don't need, you love the sound of your own voice I don't love the sound of my own voice you do no what I'm trying to do is deliver a nice intro for our lovely listeners so they can enjoy this episode try harder okay hello lovely listeners welcome to this brilliant episode of Private Parts if I don't say myself what? <laughs> as I said try harder <laughs> if I don't say so myself today, I'm going to put it out there said it before but I'm going to say it again one of my favourite episodes I didn't want it to end I had so many questions yeah, we had it long. It was a long, long podcast. I wanted to hang out with him and have a beer afterwards and get to know l'histoire even more. Greg Jenner on the podcast. Fantastic historian. He's the genius behind Horrible Histories. He uh, has a podcast called You're Dead to Me, which is a BBC podcast. It's doing very well. It's amazing. He talks about different things. We had him on the podcast to debunk some of my facts, to talk about all things that we want to know. And we just chatted for hours. Yeah, we got on. We it was a well. great ep- This is one of my favourite, I think. Yeah, let's get him on again. I want to talk. Okay, well, should we just... Uh, should we call him now? Okay, let's... Greg, listen. I hope you're listening. Okay, Greg. We love you. Yeah, we love you, Greg. <laughs> okay, right. We're no, no more waffling, baffling, chit-chatting. Let's get down to it. Okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast. It's the great, the wonderful, the historian, Greg Jenner. Jenner, Jenner, Jenner. Gregory. No, just Greg. Gregory Jenner. No, Greg Jenner. Choose your fighter, Gregory Jenner. Yeah, it sounds like you're in a movie. I am. Do it, do it like a movie that is an episode. Episode. What? <laughs> episode. Episode one. It's not episode one. Gregory Jenner. What's episode two? He's a real Casanova. <laughs> Greg Jenner on the podcast. Enjoy. Yeah, we had JLS on the other day. Ah, that's... Jamie, Jamie was in bits when JLS came. He was, he was in tears. He was like, I can't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. I was, I was really quite excited about it. That's, that's a cool thing. Though. Hey, listen, the difference between you and I is I like guests. I'm a podcaster. What are you I, talking I, yeah, about? I'm, I love guests. I'm an extrovert. You're one of those... I'm just not false. Oh, you just, oh. He puts, he puts Don't on, say oh, God, oh, He puts okay. on a big sing and dance pretends, yeah, yeah. That, pretends that he's their biggest fan When actually he has no fucking clue 
do. Have you had a guest on any of your podcasts or your podcasts? And um, have you ever had a guest on that you've been a bit like, oh God, this is a bit, bit nerve wracking? Nerve wracking, yes. I mean, because there are that's, the weird thing is the people I get on the show that I get starstruck about other historians. So like everyone else is like, yeah. oh my god, I can't believe we've got Tim Minchin on. It's like, oh yeah, Tim's really nice. But the historians, I'm <laughs> yeah, like, oh yeah, my yeah. god, it's Professor Peter Frankopan. He's such a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm I'm nerdier in that way. But yeah. Jamie gets that with big TikTok stars, um, <laughs> yeah. plastic surgeons. Yeah, yeah. Because I want to be plastic. <laughs> I love your work. I'm such a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> just with no with the tiktoks i want to be like a dementor and drink all of that give me your audience <laughs> give me it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's hard because as we get older our audience gets older it's it's terrifying right <laughs> i am barreling towards middle age very fast i'm clinging on to youth as long yeah, as i can yeah, yeah. But it's not how are you clinging on to it? Because I, I cling on to it literally physically. <laughs> like around the ankles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't forget me. I'm still here. I've, I've started buying a lot of moisturizers. And um, I'm not sure if they're working, but I've got just, a lot. Just buying them, not using <laughs> them. Buying them, <laughs> smearing them on and going, younger? No? Oh. You just look like the mask. It's just got so many moisturizers on. I'm youthful. <laughs> it is. It's quite scary because I, I, you know how we, you talk to your parents, right? Or when you're growing up, you talk, they go, you never, time suddenly goes. Time does suddenly. You're suddenly, yeah. you know, I'm 32 now. And I'm suddenly like, well, where did, where did that happen? We're also kind of moving into a, a weird period where, like, obviously, social media they exploded when we were young, right? Mm. So now we're going to be old and we're still going to be on social media. So we're just going to be these old people on Instagram. And it's just going to be quite odd how that goes down. Do you know what I mean? If there are old people on Instagram. No, I know. But, like, we were the generation that kind of, we were there when it <laughs> Well, thank God we have a historian on because Hello. we can ask. <laughs> yes, here we go. Just quickly, Greg, before we start, you have a very famous surname. I do have a famous surname and yeah. uh, it's, it gets me into a lot of trouble on Twitter because people always think I'm Kendall Jenner's weird British cousin and they're so disappointed when they follow me for about nine seconds. I could know. just go with it, mate. And, <laughs> and they're like, uh, do you know Kendall? I'm like, um, the town? Yeah, I know the town. Um, no, I, uh, I've sad, I mean, obviously it used to be Edward Jenner, the vaccine hero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and then yeah. suddenly, you know, Kardashian-Jenner axis came along. And but yeah, so you get people coming at you saying oh, they think you're briefly <laughs> briefly they look at me and go well he doesn't look like one and he certainly doesn't take care he's of certainly himself. got enough moisturizer <laughs> he's, to be he's, one but. he's wearing so much moisturizer he must be no um for like for like 10 seconds they follow me on twitter and then i tweet something about like medieval poetry and they're like what happens that, that must cause such a malfunction in the type of person that's following you they're like what is this well, what, what do you what do you think about social media so it's, I mean, I am a massive evangelist for like Twitter. I think Twitter's like, I think it's super, super powerful. And I, I use it for good, hopefully in a sort of non-evil way. But, you know, for me, it's been an amazing thing for my career. It's been an amazing network for historians and talking to experts around the world. You know, mm. a huge number of the people that I get on my podcast, I've first chatted to through Twitter. It's, it's great for slating other historians yeah. on Twitter as well. <laughs> and all of you. I don't do that, obviously. I love you all. Know, yeah, Greg Jones is just heavily right-wing. <laughs> so aggressive all of it. I, I actually, I, lo I love Twitter as well. I do like it. I do like it. Yeah, I mean, it does get a bit nasty in some well, you, parts yeah, of you, it, but you, you kind of to, you navigate away from it. You have. Yeah. I'm. A, no, I'm a very sort of like cowardly fence-sitting man. I like, Me too. I, I have very very strong no opinions, so I'm like you know 
I don't really get involved in any of the big politics stuff or whatever. But also I, I like Twitter for like what it gives you in terms of just like chatting to people, jokes and memes and, yeah. and new information and extraordinary, you know, archaeological discoveries that you'd never heard about. But also I love the fact that I've got like all these different I follow like 11,000 people on Twitter. Wow. Sorry. That's a lot of people. So, so Sorry, I, that is needy if I've ever heard well, it. Well, all right. Unbelievable. It's, it's a ratio of 10 to 1. So in terms of my followers, it's a 10 to 1 ratio. But it's 10,000 people sort of firing stuff at me. And it's a bit like being Neo in the Matrix in that I'm starting to, I'm starting to see the world in like tweets because I just get so much come at me. I, that I, I can it start sounds to... like you might need a break from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? I'm fine. Yeah. But, but it did really affect just, my writing. Just like, did it, did it? I started writing. Like short, short I started writing perfect 140 character sentences. Shut up. Without trying. That's like so it started, funny. my brain rewired and then they changed it to 280 and then I was like, oh, well, that's screwed. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I, had a, I had a superpower for a week. Um, <laughs> but no, it really has. It's, it's changed the way I sort of like see the world and stuff. It's, I genuinely love Twitter. But, but break that down. So what? Why? Because you see the break world. It, break it down in 140. But how does that happen? So because you see it just, because you, you, you see so much information. But I, okay, here we go. This is what I, my point is. Isn't see, receiving that much information. And I know you like receiving information. Because do, yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Give me information. Give, give me. I will process. <laughs> yeah, it's got <laughs> like books. I saw, when when I um when Greg and I chatted on my other podcast, um there were so many books behind him, and it was just what I was, was like, behind you? Your awards that you run for reality <laughs> TV shows, <laughs> your BAFTA, yeah, 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 my BAFTA was up there, yeah, just poshest twat on TV, <laughs> two thousand and ten. <laughs> To 20. <laughs> 10 years running. Yeah. <laughs> but, but there were so many books. And you, 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 just, you just engulf information. But, but following 11,000 people on, on Twitter, on social media, that's like a load of information. Yeah. You. But you, I mean, I find that I can quite quickly sort of wade through it. Like, I don't even have to struggle. It's, it's, I find it easier, weirdly. I find you follow it, Jamie. That's, <laughs> that's the one of the ones you immediately just wade through. Like, <laughs> just going to pop that to the left. <laughs> Normally follow you on Insta, but like, yeah, I do follow But it's... Um, the Neo, you dodge that one. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> no, but I mean, you're not a huge Twitter lover. I mean, I've, I've seen you're not like massively into it. So well, I... Mm, that, that, is, that is the kindest way anything's ever been put because <laughs> if you've gone into my twitter you know i just retweet anything that's nice about me yeah oh. sure <laughs> or oh, it's a tv show i don't like there is no yeah there's no strategy there's no comments there's no thought process <laughs> behind it twitter's demographics far too aging for jay he's trying to sap all the youth from he's trying yeah he's trying, trying to stay to young as we just as we discussed but you're 32 that's still young that's still, i'm 39 and yeah, when you when you hit but 39, you, but that moisture has kicked in hard. You look great. Uh, thank you, very kind. But I can I can tell you that there's a there's a lot of, there's a lot being sort of salitated on at the moment. It's, <laughs> it's just it's, being pushed back. No, it's it, I'm definitely like suddenly aware of moving into a different demographic. And the weird thing is that for so long I've been like a young historian, which has been surprising. Like when you meet mm. people and you go, "I'm a historian," they go, "Really." Yes. You're so young. And it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't have to be there. I didn't have to be there in the past to like write it down. <laughs> yeah. You can still study the past and be young. Uh, but now when I say to people, I'm a historian, they go, okay. And they go, shit, I'm old. <laughs> they expect that of me now. I'm now yeah. in the bracket. Which period did you live through? <laughs> 1640s. It's brutal. It's brutal, man. They killed the king and everything. Um, but, but that is... Um, uh, but that is, it's funny how your sort of USP gets lost in yeah. that, that sense, right? Because I have a great friend called Tom Lucy, who's a comedian. Yeah, sure. And he was always the young comedian, but now he's sort of getting, so he's not 
the young comedian anymore. And so you kind of lose that sense of, you go, okay, well now I've got to kind of change things and the way I approach things and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose what makes me different from most historians is I'm very comfortable in the, in the kind of world of comedy, right? So I, mm. you know, I host a comedy podcast. I, um, for 13 years, I've worked on Horrible Histories, which is a, you know, a kid's comedy show yeah, yeah. where I'm the historian and one of the writers. Um, I'm a bragger. Well, you know, I'm just explaining in case some okay. of you, you know. Listen, we know. All right. <laughs> it's true, but you do, you, 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 you helped, I mean, produce and develop all of the horrible histories. Yeah, yeah the TV show. I mean, the books obviously pre-existed me, but the, um, yeah, the TV show, I was there from, from day one and, and was part of that team. And it's a huge privilege to be a historian, to working on a show where you're getting to, like, entertain people and give them laughter and joy and songs and all the sort of lovely stuff. And at the same time, you're actually going, by the way, history's it's all right, actually. It's quite yeah. good. So we've had a whole generation of kids who've grown up. And what makes me feel quite old is I now teach master students and a couple of PhD students occasionally who yeah. grew up on the TV show. It's like, oh, no. no That's amazing. It's amazing. It's the best That's thing. That's a weird, like, cyclical. It's of... phenomenally exciting to see it, but then you also you kind of get old. Okay, so I'm quite old. You then, feel old, right? yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. I think it's, if you were to gauge sort of Jamie's level of, of history, he's still at horrible histories. He still gets <laughs> okay, most of his... Okay, okay, wrong okay, with okay, that. Okay, okay, don't say anything. Okay, when was... Fire of London. Go on, Fire of London. When was it? 1600s sometime. Yeah, well yeah. done. Okay, Double. great. What, what year? 1601. 1605. 1666. Shit. <laughs> 1666. 1605 that, was Guy Fawkes. That, that reminds me of... 16, yeah, 1605 is Guy Fawkes. The, the Battle of Hastings, 1066. I had to do a presentation. A presentation. I was at prep school. It wasn't a presentation, really. For who? For, for Goldman for the, Sachs. For the, for, the, for, the, for the people. The people needed to know. I'd, I'd, made, a, I'd made a discovery. And, and the, day, the day before doing the presentation, I uh, got braces um, mm. And with braces, you famously get a lisp. So I was like, the Battle of Hastings, ten thickly thick. It was fucking awful. Like literally, everyone's just creasing. Like Barack Obama was in pieces. <laughs> the, head of the, the head of the EU was yeah, yeah. slapping his knee. Yeah. Absolutely, it yeah. was tough. It was really tough. <laughs> but but it is amazing because everyone knows horrible history. So firstly, that's iconic. That's insane. And yeah. so you, you do you you develop. Um, children's minds which is a really cool kind of thing to be able to do i suppose it's probably the best thing i'll ever do i mean it, it's weird to peak in your sort of mid-20s i started on the show at 25 26 maybe and uh, i'll never have anything as impactful again right there's a whole generation of kids who mm. watched that show who grew up with it who you know and that's how i got into history when i was a kid i fell in love with um with comedy shows about history so tony robinson did a, a hilarious sitcom called uh, made marion and her merry men that was yes. like a sort of feminist inversion of my yes, story i remember that and it's like this iconic thing i loved it when i was a kid i found it so funny and then i grew up in monty python and eddie izzard and the goons and like all these classic mm. comedies that are about history yeah. uh, eddie izzard's for me was genius especially with uh, the greek mythology stuff yeah. that he used to do the greek mythology stuff was it's still to and and typically i think it was comedy right sometimes it, it doesn't age well right but I, his stuff really it's like funny still now. Eddie's a genius and uh, it's probably responsible for about 30% of my personality. Really? I'm, I'm almost certain. Like the way I think about the world, the, the way I write jokes is like, it's just Eddie's I, I, I guess from a comedic perspective, uh, using history as your as your content is quite a safe one because it's it's happened. And it's <laughs> well, not so much. It's as not well. necessarily going to become you know um, un PC because it's been around for ages. Everyone's, everyone knows. Well, about you it. say that, but like a lot of history, uh, I, a lot yeah. of comedy about history can be quite edgy, right? In horrible mm. histories, we were incredibly edgy for a kids' show. I mean, the um, first sketch I ever wrote for the show. I don't write on it very much, but I wrote a little bit here and there. First sketch I ever wrote 
we broke the record for the number of amputations in a sketch, and it still stands, right? We've got mm. a, I'm basically arms how many, and legs being, how many amputations? I think we've got seven in wow. a sketch. We've got people's arms and legs being cut off. Well, in Monty Python, they've, that, in that scene, he loses, he loses four. Four, okay, yeah. And I wrote my master's thesis on that movie, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I... Yeah, so if you try and challenge me... No, no, but, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but considering your, the, your the idea... Your mother was a hamster. Yeah, and your father smelled of elderberry. So... But for me, comedy and history have always gone hand in hand, even mm. when I was a master's student, even when I was going to do a PhD, I couldn't afford it in the end. But I adore comedy and I do history. Like history is my job and comedy is my passion. Mm. And I guess that's... What a great match. It's a fun it's match. lovely. It's really nice. So it means that I get to bring a kind of comic sensibility, but I take history really, really seriously. For me, humour is a way of... of teaching and sharing and getting people to enjoy something. Yeah, and communicating. It's the best yeah, way of communication. Because you remember jokes. You remember songs. You know, funny mm. stuff that makes you like... You, you remember gags and, and funny lyrics from songs. We can remember yeah. things that rhyme. Nursery rhymes. Well, of course. It, yeah. it evokes a, probably a slightly stronger emotion, right, than just being told a fact straight up. 100%. If, if I... Yeah. And it's told. That is, is that what it is? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about it neurologically, like the things that terrify us, like horror movies, whatever, we, we they stick in the brain. And things that delight us, or things that are like euphoric, you know, if you go and see a, an amazing concert, or if you go go to an FA Cup final, or whatever, something that feels euphoric will stay with you forever. But if I play you a documentary that's very interesting, like two weeks later, you've forgotten half of it already. You know, mm. that, and it happens to me all the time. You know, I read a book and go, oh, it's really good. Oh. Really enjoyed that. And then two weeks later, I'm like. Yeah, you think I've read it. Or, or, or if there's a good sex scene, Braveheart. I've never forgot that one. <laughs> what is the sex scene in Braveheart? I can't oh, remember. It's fucking good. <laughs> really? What's it? Oh, they're just shagging in the Highlands. <laughs> they're just shagging <laughs> all over the Highlands. Yeah. Touring the Highlands. Yeah. Gosh, that was cold. <laughs> is it freezing? Got a thistle as well. It, it wasn't cold. They they and were really heather. Had horrible, horrible, very, very rough underfoot. I think. Yeah, yeah but it all adds to the. Yeah. Oh, you really feel it. You're generating a lot of heat. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of um. Yeah, you like the set up a few wildfires in the in the Highlands, which is hard to do <laughs> all over the Highlands. <laughs> Such a wide area, <laughs> but but I do I find it fascinating because um, does that mean then this so, so the history of comedy right so that obviously from my note it started with jesters is this is this the no like, it goes way better than that right here we so, go this is what we get into God this is where I so, really drink it in I mean the oldest joke in the world is from the Bronze Age. And it's from Sumer, uh -huh. which so uh, Sumer would be what we now call, I guess, um, Iraq. So it's about, mm -hmm. I don't know, top of my head, four and a half, maybe 5,000 years ago. And it's, uh, the joke is a fart joke, which is nice. And Shut up, it was a fart it's joke. It's a fart gag. And farts will never not be funny. Farts are like human nature. Like Amazing. farts are funny, right? So, <laughs> and the joke, a joke's a little bit tricky because it's got a double negative in it. So I'll, I'll try and, Jay, I'll try and walk you through it. Tune in, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Double negative. <laughs> oh God. Is that a battery? I don't really, <laughs> yeah. I don't really understand. Just to lick both ends of the joke okay, and then, then you know. Okay, yeah. then, then my <laughs> cock will work. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So the joke is, what's something that has never not happened? A wife not farting in her husband's lap. So it's a weird one because you're like, that's quite, oh, and then you, it's, but, but you have to visualize it, right? You've got to, you've got to imagine it as a kind of sitcom scene of like yeah. the, the husband proudly showing my wife and she comes in, sits on his lap and, you know, farts away. And he's like, oh, get, and it's, you've got to sort of imagine it. So this is in a, this is cuneiform, right? So this is the ancient writing technology that predates. You knew that, didn't you? So cuneiform is how people wrote in the Bronze Age in, in Mesopotamia, right? So you basically you have a triangular reed, like a mm-hmm. stylus, mm-hmm. and you um, smush into the wax, <laughs> the triangle shapes, and you, you can move the... That's right. how they used to... That's it. Yeah, so you can create a language, a written language no by moving the stick in a slightly different direction, different angles, and you put triangles and put triangles and put on triangles. This and is pre-parchment. Yeah, this is pre-part. Yeah, so this uh, is Alan what- Parchment. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say, and I caught myself. I was about to go. This is pre-papaya. <laughs> I caught myself. Just- pre-mango. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pre-papaya. They <laughs> haven't even invented exotic yeah. fruits yet. It's pre-papaya, but post-abacus. <laughs> yeah. Pre-chop shop. Pre-mango. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so hang on. So, so continue. Okay, yeah. So this. So this is Bronze Age, and that's the oldest of a joke written down. Um, so it's documented. How, it is documented. How, yeah, do you, how do you write that joke in a series of triangles and also fart in a in a triangle? Well, you then you need, so that's I mean that's how um, cuneiform works. Is it's a series of you know basically it's a representation of a, of spoken speech through right. symbols and signs. Yeah, right. And then at the same time as that language invented, you get in Egypt hieroglyphs, mm-hmm. which are the same age. They're slightly older, possibly. Uh, but about 5,000 years, the invention of writing. And then China, slightly later, they've got their own system. And then gradually later on, you get the invention of the alphabet, which we use, right? Mm. And the alphabet comes from the Phoenicians and then gradually goes through the Greek world and so on. And you end up initially with you know, a certain number of letters. Then you get 23 letters in the Roman alphabet. And now we've got 26. So the history of writing goes wow. through all these sort of evolutions. And, trans- you know, and sometimes they're running parallel and sometimes they one leads to the next and the next and the next. Mm. But we have this ancient joke from the Bronze Age. And then the oldest joke book... That I, I was so I've just written a book called Ask a Historian. Where I was asked, "What's the oldest joke book in the world?" Yeah. And it was really cool because I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I'm going to find that out." When so, someone gives you that challenge, are you like, "Oh, oh I love rev it. me up! Here we go." That's the whole mm. the whole book I've written is the public asked me 50 questions, and I was sort of sat down and right, okay, how hard? And some of them are really hard. Some of them I know off the top of my head. And the oldest joke book is called the Philo Helos, which means Greek for the laughter lover, which is really lovely. Mm-hmm. Philo meaning lover, and and helos uh, laugh or, or smile, and um, it dates about 1,600 years ago. So late. Uh, Greek Roman period, sort of 500s CE, and it's got loads of jokes in it, and some of them are funny. No, yeah, they're actually funny. Some of them are quite funny. It's a weird kind of con- conception to really remember that or understand that there was humour, right? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I, you you don't you just feel like everyone was fighting. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's literally it. Everyone just fought the, the whole time. The ancient Greeks loved humour. So their most famous playwright um, was called Aristophanes, and he yeah. wrote incredibly filthy, funny, really rude plays with like fart jokes and shit jokes. And and the jokes at the time was that they would mock powerful people who would be in the audience, right? So they're satirical and quite often- It was often, the, first, the first roast, the first- Yeah, ever... no, no, literally he invented like roasting, right? And no, the people right. in the audience had to be seen to take it. 
So they, they, so they had to take it. They, they had, had to, to take it. They yeah, had to stand yeah. up and kind of go, great joke, very funny, well done, sit back down. And then look to their... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 Off yeah. with his head. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we have, you know, references to like Socrates being mocked, you know, the ancient philosopher wow. um, in these plays. So um, the Greeks loved jokes, loved humour. This Roman joke book, The Phila Helos, has got... I think 250 jokes in it, of which I put 10 in my, my new book, and I've tried to sort of translate them in slightly modern style. But they're funny, right? And they some of them feel very familiar. So they've got a lot of kind of stock characters, like idiots. Like the most common one is idiots. Mm. Um, and then my favourite joke from history is a medieval joke from 1508. No, 1510. 1510, it's from a book called The Demont Joyeuse, which means the sort of joyful questions. Yeah. Uh, it's French. And, oh, it's French. and it's English. And it's, oh, shit. It's from, <laughs> it is French. It is French. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from the reign it's of French. Henry VIII. And yeah. the joke is, what's the cleanest leaf in the forest? What is it? Holly, because no one dares wipe his ass on it. Uh, <laughs> I, I once shit. tried that. It was fucking <laughs> awful. <laughs> when you were in the Highlands. What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. After some intense I need, sex. Well, I, needed, yeah, I needed to clean up somehow. It's also clean up a murder. Clean up somehow. This is going to blow your mind. Maybe I said this to you last time. I don't think I did. It's not going to blow your mind. It is going to blow your mind. Okay. It is, this is going to blow your mind. The alphabet doesn't need to be in that order. No. I mean, nothing does. How That blows your mind. But why would it? have to be well exactly it doesn't have to be mm. just is no i mean but the it's days, not numbered it doesn't days, have to be it doesn't have to be a to z it could be anything it but the day, anything. days of the week used to be in different orders as well oh my god no stop way. what tell me well so again in the book i try and answer this but days of the week are a really sort of ancient idea and uh, the romans uh, early on had eight days in a week and mm. they named them a through h um and the egyptians had 10 days in a week sometimes uh but the seven day week we get from ancient jewish tradition and the days of the week are named after the planets, and mm-hmm. the planets at the time were identified. Um, they only knew about five of them, I think, at the time, uh, and they figured out which ones were closer. You know, so right. that's, and, and but the days of the week are not in that order. Days of the week have been reversed, and it's incredibly complicated what? how that's happened. But basically, how has that happened? Who's suddenly decided that? So the, the, the way it works, and I'll try not to bore you, but the way it no, works. No, trust in, me, nothing that you can say is boring <laughs> well, me at all. Just, listen. Listen, everyone, lock the doors. We're here for a while. I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. <laughs> lock the doors. Sorry, I have you farted. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't know where I was then. So, lock the doors, get the holly. <laughs> so days of the week are obviously Monday, the mm. moon's day. Yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday. So mm. Chu is the god of what? Is an Anglo-Saxon god, right? Uh, Germanic god. Woden's day, Wednesday. Thor's day, Thursday. Freya's day, Friday. Right. Saturn's day, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Sunday, the sun's day. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty easy, that one. Right. But the order was different. So in the ancient world, they basically came up with the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mm. by figuring out that there was 168 hours in a week and there were going to be 24 hours in a day. And we get that from the Babylonians. Mm-hmm. So the reason is 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 12 months in a year, thanks to the, the Babylonians. So 4,000 years ago, right? And mm. we keep... We, they we, discovered that. And then we keep going back to the, that we've, thing. We're still using their system. Wow. So that they, is insane were, that hasn't been developed. It works really well. It doesn't they, got, they got wiped out, didn't they? they well, they sort of gradually, sort of, you know, as empires wow. do. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't think they got wiped, but they, they gradually sort of, their, their empire collapsed and then was replaced by another, which was replaced by another. You know, the Neo-Assyrians and then the Gattis. This is actually really interesting to talk about where we're at no, no, but as a civilization. <clears throat> like, yeah, we'll come back to that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, right, 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 so... Okay. so 168 hours in a week, mm-hmm. 24 hours in a day, mm-hmm. each hour gets named after a planet. And so if you loop through all the hours, you mm. get to 24, you then get to the 25th hour and it's a new day. And what they did was called a, con- a controller system. Right. Because there's only so many hours, there's only so many planets they know about. They don't have all the planets we've got. Mm. They haven't got Uranus. Um, mm. 
And so they go, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll give the next day to this other god. So the first god gets Monday. The second god was like, all right, we'll, we'll give it to this guy. So the planets were afforded their own day, mm. even though they weren't in the same order astronomically as they are in terms of distance from the Earth. Okay, but just quickly, right. so how, do they, how do they know okay. they were the planets? How do they know? Well, they're even phenomenal astronomers. No, 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 come on. You just don't they, look up they the They didn't have TikTok, so they actually just had to look up at the sky. <laughs> That's all they had to look no, at. It was no, like no, their no, TV. No, come on, because this needs to be explained to me more. Like, there's so many backlights. How, how on Earth... Do they know that, that there were planets? You, you, you don't have a telescope. You don't have the technology. No, they don't have telescopes, but they've got uh, other ways of seeing the, the you know, the base, the, like the ancient Bronze Age technologies are based on the lunar um, solar calendar, so sun and moon. Mm-hmm. And they look up at the stars all the time. The ancient Egyptians could tell the time by looking at the stars as they moved across the sky. So they had an incredibly complicated way of measuring time with these things called um, Ramesside star clocks. Phenomenally complicated. And um, they were very, very obsessive sky watchers because they yeah. believed that the sky would predict the future. They believed that the gods would wow. be like, you could tell what was going to happen. If they saw a bad omen in the sky, they might occasionally think, uh oh, here comes a plague or a war. So the Mayans would like decapitate a load of people and <laughs> sacrifice Some, them. Yeah. Around the world, there are different, you know, different civilizations mm. who've, who've looked at the, the stars and interpreted them differently. But in the ancient world, astrology, you know, which is like, you know, Tropic of Cancer and all that kind of stuff, was basically in service of astronomy and vice versa. So they are kind of two separate ways of seeing the world, but they're really important for religious calendars. I mean, there was even in the Babylonian times or maybe Assyrian times slightly later, uh, there was sometimes a bad omen where they would see it in the sky and go, "Uh uh-oh, the king's in danger. And what they'd do is they'd swap in a farmer for the king. (laughs) They'd take the king, they'd put him in like a panic room, like the equivalent of a panic room. They'd swap in the farmer to absorb the bad luck for a couple of weeks. And the farmer would be like, this is great. We we occasionally do this on the podcast when we've had a a few threatening emails to Jamie. Swap him in for a farmer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's probably quite successful, right? So they would... Those podcasts actually do a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's got a West Country accent. (laughs) (laughs) So they would literally do that. They would they would sort of like um almost bring in a kind of body double. What? Take the king out, That's put him so somewhere nice. safe, and then the the farmer would absorb the bad luck. And then at the end of the two weeks, they would execute him just to make sure. <laughs> no, 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 just to make sure. Oh my god, that's bum out. And they're like, <laughs> the prophecy was oh, true. He's yeah. now dead. Precisely, <laughs> yeah. precisely. Right? They it's, would it's, kill him. <laughs> was, there, was there a case where something actually bad happened to the farmer, like you know, who's someone who was assassinated or he fell ill during? Not his, that I know. Of. As uh, far as I'm aware, it's just simply they were like, well, we can't keep him around because he's seen too much. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He's to be fair though, to be fair, he's gone out on a. Oh, he's lived two weeks as being the king. But this he's is the like, question. This is the question I would off. ask you. Actually, I mean, actually, you're, you're, you probably live very comfortable lives. But if you know, most people, Jamie if you say does. to them, "Would you take two weeks as like king of the world?" If at the end of it, I then had to, you know, shoot you in the head. But, <laughs> but I don't think I, 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 I don't. I, I think I think we're too so too aware now of like sure. And there's too much. I think back I think, in the day, I think, would, I think yeah, we're I think we're, dis- we're so distracted now that we we don't look at the uh, at nature and at what like the universe is kind of offering us because some of these ancient technologies like almost are on par with what we do now and what we mm-hmm. can do now and this is so fascinating i watched this documentary and i can't remember the name of it so a french i think she was a french historian she traveled to all of the sort of one made that up sound better didn't you i think it was in like cantonese <laughs> <laughs> i had to yeah i had to decrypt it it was it was written in hieroglyphics actually. <laughs> blow the dust off the the vhs is it jumanji um, is that what <laughs> It was an old historian called Robin Williams. Um, he was actually so old, he was wearing a jungle outfit. 
Um, but no, she's she's jungle she's a outfit. What is that? My, jungle outfit. My, my my verbose language is uh, really on fire today. But anyway, it's a French historian. She's a female historian, and she travels the world to go and see all these old ancient uh, wonders of the world that they can't really um, fully explain how. Like, for example, there's these old um, stone creations. Oh, God, my, my language is not, it's not happening today. Are you, are you feeling under pressure? <laughs> oh, Fuck the, yeah. the verbose. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, they, give, can't, they just, can't work out, for example, how they managed to cut that stone to such an nth degree. It's like literally so fine. Yes. And, and she takes a load of leading scientists and, and mm. people that are in that field to try and analyze how they would have done it back then. And a lot of them can't really work it out. They say it would have taken them 10,000 years to, to get it to that you level of, of, of uh, accuracy. But that's the same with the and then, and then a lot of, a lot of people then start to go, well, you know, aliens. Came yeah, down. this is where the bullshit comes in. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> this is what I was going to ask you. What's your stance on it? Oh, you've, just, you've just told us yeah, pretty yeah. quickly. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is um, one of the big problems in the moment we've got is like there is a lot of kind of alien and Atlantis conspiracy stuff, which is really. You've got, you've got a big one right here. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I understand it's fun, right? I get that it's like it's fun, fun and it's, and Hollywood loves. Like stuff. balloons, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Sex in the Heather, yeah. it's fun. Sex in the Heather, <laughs> my new album. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, I can understand the appeal of it. It's obviously it's exciting, and Hollywood movies love this stuff. You know, the Transformers movies and and um, Prometheus and all that I, stuff. I, I, I've seen a few of the the sort of series as like ancient civilizations, and it seems a very easy way to look at something that we can't quite work out yet and go. Well, it must have been aliens. Must have been aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not going to look into it, but it must have been aliens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, we we do know how most of these things were made. They were extremely the pyramids. Yeah, pyramids. We know how they were made. How? And how? Go on, tell me. So a, a hugely talented workforce who had years of training and were very, very good at it. But it's actually, you know, this says two point three million stone blocks in the Great Pyramid of Giza. So it's a phenomenal architectural achievement. Mm. But they had a lot of practice, and they had a huge workforce of trained people who did this, you know, months of, for months of the year, and then they go back to the farms. And they were very, very precise because they could be. And wow. the technique, but the techniques of, of slicing massive stone blocks is actually quite straightforward. And, and there are videos online of people doing it. And mm. it, it doesn't need like a diamond cutting machine. It's mm. literally, you can do it with like a few people who know what they're doing and they can smack that sort of a huge crack through a massive bit of rock. And it yeah. just separates beautifully. Wow. So I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm thinking aliens. But I always I always was told, but being a worker, yeah. so being... Um, so something you've not really ever <laughs> but being But being working class or being a worker, back then, it was, it, it, being a worker was a pretty miserable existence back in, you know, back in the day, well, wasn't it? It depends what you mean by miserable. And it depends, uh, you know, uh, if we're talking here, Bronze Age Egypt, okay, so... Uh, the Great Pyramid is is very old, it's nearly 5,000 years old. Um, the people working on that would have been uh, employed primarily in like farming and irrigation and agriculture most of the year, but the Nile floods for three months of the year. So you, yeah. can't, you can't farm there. So they would have periods of the year where they would be given good, not money because they're not paid, the cash doesn't exist yet, but they're, they, you know, they're paid in like barley or grain or perhaps meat. And they are said, you know, the king's like, right, 30,000 people over here. I want a whack and great pyramid so I can die and be buried in it. And so... Wow. So demanding. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What an ego. I mean, you know... Honestly... If you're the king of Egypt, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. you want. Yeah. I want a pyramid and but you're all going to be. He said it. that after he told the fart joke about us sitting in... Some, it was about the same time, 5,000 years ago. It's not roughly it? the same time. Yeah, so yeah. Um, so you've got this incredibly professionalised labour force that were... You know, they would have had labour camps, they would have had washerwomen, they would have had people bringing them supplies and food... 
you know, the standard trope that people usually think is that it's enslaved people doing this. Actually, highly unlikely. Wow. Much more likely is it's it's professional workers who are kind of compensated where they're not farming, right? So mm. it's uh, it, you have to imagine it as a sort of huge prestige project. Mm. There, you know, it's a, it's it was a, an honour then as well. Probably. And it would have been dangerous. And absolutely, I'm sure there would have been people crushed beneath massive blocks. That's going to happen anywhere, any mm. building site. But as far as we can tell, it's an in, you know, we've got a lot of good records. There's a lot of fantastic archaeology that's going into this. Oh but we have diary entries from some of the people who were working on it. We literally have hieroglyph diaries written by like the foreman, in, like, who was like a sort of minor prince, who was in charge of bringing in stone from far away from a quarry and bringing it in by the night. Do, do any of them mention the greys? <laughs> <laughs> this tall grey alien came to <laughs> There was no mention of the greys. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> but, but just last question before we, we take a break, but it's, um, but I heard, you know, in like late 1800s in, in Britain, mm-hmm. um, that people were or they were earning the equivalent of about one pound a day in, in present time. It's, it really depends. So the historical currency is extremely difficult to extrapolate because you have to work, you have to invert inflation, mm-hmm. boring. And then also there are... Let's do that now. We can do, but as I said, boring. Um, and then you have to work out the kind of the size of the economy and the value of goods and services and things differ, right? So if you were to go back to, say... So in, my, so in my second book, which is about the history of celebrity, I talked about Charles Dickens and how much money he earned when he toured America because he was a huge celebrity. He had stalkers. He had people obsessed with him. His fans queued outside to see him, slept on mattresses, massive celebrity. And <laughs> Jamie had that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I peaked like you in yeah. horrible histories. Yeah. Never get do, my 20s Do you back. follow the, the downfall of celebrity? Yeah. There's a, I do. There's, there's a, a whole chapter on when it goes wrong. Jamie yeah. Lang. Yeah. 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 And he's seeing the cracks form <laughs> on me. Yeah. Yeah. When celebs came useless. <laughs> but um, he earned what I think in modern money would be equivalent to about 30 million pounds doing that tour. So, wow. but it's ve- but it's very complicated to figure out the, the calculations because in another way of calculating it, it's only three million. There's two different ways of doing it. So it's a huge problem You've for historians. You've got a good tax lawyer. You've got a very good tax <laughs> yeah. lawyer. You go, uh, no, I, only three million actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 sorry, I was actually using uh, records from the 1800s to work out my tax. Um, cuff me. Yeah, cuff. Me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to invest in that play. <laughs> Turned up to court just like William Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, wrong era. Yeah, but wait, but that that is. So, but also, um, so also before we, again, last question before we go to the break is uh, what, so what do you think? Because we, I think we spoke, what defines a celebrity then? Oh my God. Well, that's a, uh, that, we should go to the break and then we should okay. come back. <laughs> Shit. Oh God. <laughs> Hurry what? up everyone. What? You can't just point at us. Celebrity. Here we go. Build me a pyramid. <laughs> um, okay, everyone. Listen, we're going to be back in part two in just a jiffy. See you in a bit. <laughs> 